You're listening to Dirty Feet, a dance podcast. I'm Allison Burns. Welcome to a Goosebump-inspiring episode of the Dirty Feet Podcast. Uh, we have a very inspiring artist uh, joining us today, and I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. I'm speaking with Hannah Beach. Uh, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And Hannah is an educator, an artist, an author, a speaker, and she is the founding director of Dandelion Dance, uh, which creates empowering dance experiences for girls. Hannah believes that art is an important tool for social change because it helps people feel and not just think. That's true. <laughs> so I, I imagine the majority of our conversation today is going to be about Dandelion Dance and mm -hmm. about this company and what you've been doing with mm -hmm. it. Uh, I would like to start first, though, with yourself and your journey. Uh, you have a background both in dance and in social work. Mm -hmm. And when did these two start intersecting? So it's hard to know exactly um, when you look back retrospectively, it's sometimes easier to see, but it was very gradual. I'm the youngest child of nine uh, biological children in my family. And um, we had over my lifetime, 11 foster brothers and sisters as well of many different cultures. Wow. <laughs> so I come from an enormous family. And um, many of the children in my family were from different cultures, uh, different backgrounds, and my parents adopted a little boy who had Down syndrome when I was three, and so he was one. And I grew up from a, in a very, very, uh, gosh, just a, such a different sort of family with just sort of different unique needs and different um, backgrounds and interests. And um, something about that, I mean, even looking at my younger brother who had Down syndrome, um, where I grew up in a small town, he was excluded from our dance community. So he wasn't welcome to join us in, in, in the dance studio that I was dancing at at the time. And people used to, he was an extraordinary dancer, absolutely beautiful dancer. And we would dance at home in my living room, like after dinner for, you know, people put on little plays as children for their family. And, uh, at the time, people would, you know, would say, oh, it's so, you know, it's too bad for Jason that he can't dance at the dance studio. But I, at the time, thought, that was true, but I also thought it was too bad for our audiences. And I remember thinking, yeah, it is, it does suck for Jason that he can't dance, and, you know, with me because he'd love to. But I also thought it also was unfair that we don't get to see people Jason dancing. And I, so I didn't have the language to process it as a child, but something about that really sat with me my whole life and really helped me kind of spur on um, expanding who we saw as dancers and what dance was. And sort of sat with me and I mean my experiences growing up in this environment and this seeing the challenges as well as the beauty really really brought to me though the importance of um, diverse groups of people working together as artists um, and then I ended up studying dance quite cl classically I um, was at the Royal Winnipeg Ballet School and then the Alberta Ballet School um, but it, it didn't exactly feed my soul it, it, there was things that were about it that were beautiful and I really recognized the beauty and the artistry but it also made me feel um, very insecure at times about my body. And it didn't give me exactly what I was looking for in my dance experience. And when I look back and I look at the way I was raised and my values and how much I loved dance and how much I loved dance when I could just sort of express myself and connect with others in a really deep way, I just thought about, um, just tried a way to, to seek out ways to bring that together in some sort of meaningful way. I had no idea how at that point. I was just dabbling with different ideas. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and Dandelion is, uh, is very inclusive in terms of yeah. ability and background it is, and yeah. language. Yeah. Uh, with the notable exception of it's only for girls. It is only for girls. So where does that come from? So um, I get that question a lot. We've tried, you know, the thing is, is that I feel like there's a space. I've worked with, I've had, we've in the past, long before I opened Dandelion, I did have my own school, which at that time was called Tournesol, the word sunflower in French, um, with a bad accent. Um, (laughs) So um, I, I have taught ball boys and I've taught, all girls. We had mixed classes. We had everything in those days. And as I was honing my practice and looking the gifts that I felt I had to offer, what I found was the spaces that I was able to offer for all girls, the things that were explored were, um, it was just a very safe space for exploring things that may be specific to growing up as girls and young women. And I really felt like that's where my talents as um, an educator really lay. It's where I felt girls were able to um, open up about their body image and open up about um, perhaps things around their sexuality and sexual abuse or a comfort that didn't happen when we had males in the room. And that's not that... um, It's not not any better or worse if there's... when we had it as a mixed... But it was just different. And I feel, feel like offering that space where girls were able to find that leadership and that strong voice, separate as young women, um, very, very important and very different when there are, we've had guests in that were males. It was just a very, very different feel in the room. I never feel to their physicality in terms of even their dance, actually. Um, and there's emotional safety in terms of what they expressed and in terms of... Um, Many things, and also the Muslim young women that we were that are in our company, um, they they also wouldn't even be allowed to join our organization um, because of their religious practices. Um, if there are males dancing with them, so it broadens our um, ability to bring in other cultures as well. Um, not all the Muslim women, but some of our Muslim young women wouldn't wouldn't be allowed to. But it really, really does create a very, very different space. And it's not about excluding males. Actually, a lot of boys are very interested in our work, and we do a lot of shows at schools. But it's really that the boys are so interested in in understanding um, maybe the feminist voice and understanding uh, what it is that we've, what they can create as young women and have that specific voice and a safe space to establish and sort of create their own voice as girls and young women. Just to paint a picture of what uh, this company that you mentioned, it's a uh, you Dandelion Dance offers classes from we girls do. from five to eighteen. That's correct. Yeah, uh, and the company itself is uh, a high Teenage school girls. level. Yeah. yeah, so we have a school and a social justice performance company. So the school offers classes for girls um, age five to eighteen. There's no audition. Um, <clears throat> we're fully inclusive. You just sign up and join. We have subsidized spaces in every class so that we can be economically inclusive as well. And the social justice performance company does have an audition. Um, again, it's fully inclusive in terms of intellectual, physical ability, and economic. And we don't um, require any dance experience before people audition. So the audition is not in any way a dance audition, if that makes sense. I mean, we do dance at the audition, but I'm not looking for technique when we when we are doing our selection process. Yeah. And this uh, 
this group of people then, um, they create their own work, which seems, uh, is that on equal footing for you with, with performing and, and creation of dance in terms of uh, the importance of that process? So for me, um, all our kids, even the five-year-olds, create their own work. So that's, that's probably one of the main differences between our organization and uh, most other organizations is that um, our the whole point of our, our our stuff is to help girls see themselves as creators and have girls put in in that um, strong leadership role of creating both individually and collectively. Um, so starting as soon as you come, we create every single class and they create all their work for the show. So every single class our children create. <clears throat> it's not like, oh, we're going to create something for our year-end show or a performance or a tour. It's something they do every single week because we believe that through the practice of creating, through the practice of seeing what is not yet there, we give girls and young women the ability to see that it, it bleeds into the rest of their life. So if every single week you come to class and you're creating something from nothing, eventually you see yourself as that person who can create from nothing, whether that's writing a book or whether that's opening a business or whether that's whatever that is in your life, you no longer are in a passive role, but you, you are able to have the ability to see what doesn't yet exist and the power to know that you actually can be the one to create it. How does a class like that get started? Um, so do you mean literally? Literally. When <laughs> you you're in like, the room with, with, okay. with a pile of girls, okay. how do you get them to start a dance class? Oh my goodness. So it's, it's just, so we have a very clear structure. Um, first of all, our, our work is a little bit different because we're asking girls to be creators, not just, not dancers. We're not teaching them a class in which they follow along steps or follow me. Um, we have to have a different paradigm. So all our staff, including myself and our staff are trained as well in developmental psychology. So they do training through the Neufeld Institute in they have to do a minimum of level one to work for us, which is really understanding the key importance um, of relationship in educational practices. Because we believe that through establishing a relationship with every child we work with, we develop an emotional comfort so that she feels safe enough to share her um, creations. Because it's a different it's a different comfort level when you're following a teacher than when I ask you to take your insides and share it if that makes sense. You have to be emotionally comfortable. You have to know I'm not going to tease you. You don't have to know I'm not going to laugh at your creative, your creative practice. You have to know I'm, that we're completely there and we're holding that space for the girls. So we have a structure where, um, first of all, we try to get to know the girls as well as we can and, and create safety. And uh, we have tons of dance exercises on trust. We do a lot of our work blindfolded. We get to know the girls in it really, really well. Um, and then each class are given a topic, whether it's a poem or a piece of paper with just one word or a picture, whatever it is, each class are given something and then they're asked in small groups to create based on that topic. And then they present it and share it every single class. And then that builds up and it builds up until eventually they're researching, they're choreographing, and they're putting together large productions. But in the smaller classes, it might be um, I'd like you to create a dance based on water and perhaps your little cluster of children might create a piece on rain and they might do one on a puddle and they might want to, another group might do one on an ocean, but it's just a very simple concept. And then they would share that and, um, with each other. And then over time that just grows. Yeah. With that model, does it become, um, important to avoid kind of dance history education? Like, do you not want to expose them to other choreographic works so as to influence their expression? Um, no, that's, 
it, it's it's not 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 necessarily. So I think it's really important that we're exposed to lots of different other artists and people. But I think that we are just careful in how we do it. Sort of, for example, if I was sitting and coloring with a young child, and I had my coloring pieces of paper beside theirs, I would be make make sure that my picture wasn't perfect. Does that make sense? I might do free flow drawing so that they're not looking at mine going, but I can't make it like that mm -hmm. and crumpling theirs. Do you see what I'm saying? Because then I, there might be judging their art side by side, mine at that moment. But no, we do we do let them see, but we also celebrate their work as well. Mm -hmm. And it's just we we um we we let, we introduce them to other artists. We bring them we bring our girls to the National Art Center to see other uh, other artists and celebrate all the different ways we're artists. We just don't think that some artists. We don't. We we try to celebrate their work as well, if that makes sense. And don't say just because your body doesn't work this way doesn't mean it's less it's less beautiful than this one. There's so many different ways to be beautiful, and there's so many different ways to be an artist. And that dance doesn't have to be this narrow idea of what um, many many people in our culture think dance is. It doesn't have to be a certain body and a certain way. It's a way to communicate. It's a way to connect with each other. And it doesn't. Um, there's so many different ways to be a dancer and to be beautiful. Awesome. I mean, <laughs> so much of what you're talking about is like the, the, this inherent beauty and benefit that's in dance. Um, one term that I never saw while going through your website, mm -hmm. and I'm wondering where you align with the concept of dance therapy. So we're not dance therapists. I'm not a dance therapist. Um, do I think what we do is therapeutic? Very much so. But we are not a dance therapy place. We are a place where you can come and you can explore your stories if you wish to. But you are a place you can come and you can explore just social justice topics in general and not your own stories, if that makes sense. But is it therapeutic? A hundred percent. I mean, the, the mere act of, of dancing in a safe and inclusive space um, where you feel very celebrated is wonderful. But we are not registered dance therapists. You do have, uh, as a part of the company, also teacher training offerings. We do, yes. Uh, which, which I imagine involve this this whole uh, approach that you yeah. have to creation. If you could pick just one primary piece of wisdom that you would love to impart on educators at large, what would it be? So, I guess it's seeing the inherent beauty in each child that we work with. That if you can be the eyes, like if, if you can be the eyes for a child, but they can't yet see in themselves, I think that's our biggest goal as educators. So if I'm working with a young woman who can't yet see her beauty, but I can be her eyes and I can see her beauty for her, then she has the ability to see it as well. And I think that if we can create dance experiences that help girls really dis like on a discovery path, like if help girls really see the beauty in each other. And that's what's incredible is that because our our organization doesn't just bring in girls and help make them feel good about themselves, it helps them kind of understand each other because we're bringing girls from so many backgrounds. We're really bridging communities through that universal language of dance, whether it's um, um, all different backgrounds working together. I think that that's a very, very exciting to help girls make those connections and help girls see um, see their ability, but sometimes they need to see that through us seeing their ability. And, and on that note, just the idea that, that you're empowering these girls with strength and confidence mm -hmm. and seeing the ways in which it improves their, their lives and prospects, can you give us uh, a story? 
Sure. Oh my gosh, we have so many stories. <laughs> so I love my girls so much. So I always get excited talking about them. Um, so one of the things that, first of all, that's different about our organization that I than, than many is that um, a lot of organizations that work with girls are um, either specifically for girls who are low income. So they work specifically with girls who are marginalized or have low income, or they're for girls who can only afford the programs because they have to pay for them. And our programs, we um, are not specifically for girls who are low income. We are for girls in general, whether you identify as a girl, whether you're low income, high income, any religion, every background. So um, that really does a really um, sort of an exciting process. So we get these girls coming in who perhaps being exposed to people they've never really gotten to know. So this young, one young woman I'll think of, her name is Deanna. And um, she came to us and uh, right out, we accepted her into the company. Right after the audition, she called me and she said, Hannah, I think you took the wrong person. Like I, <laughs> I actually have, can never perform on stage. I forgot to tell you that in the audition and I will never go on a stage. And I was like, that's okay, Deanna, you can just join us. I knew that she'd change her mind. I said, you can just join us. You can be in part of the process. You can be backstage supporting us. And one day in time, if you wish to be on stage, great, but you know, whatever, there'll be never a pressure to do that. So she joined. So it's like a low income young woman and, um, completely new world to her had never danced before, had never had always wanted to, but never been able to afford to, uh, very, very, she decided eventually she did want to do a dance about the shame around her poverty. She had a ton of shame about how her background, she felt like people could see it from the outside, her, her poverty. So she said to me, I want to do this dance about my shame. And she choreographed this so beautifully with the girls. She um, decided to wear all white and then she had this person come in and dance with her, sort of like a very structured um, salsa dance. And that that the person that danced with her was covered in paint, but the audience didn't see this. And then when she turns around, she was covered in paint. So her white bodysuit and everything was covered in paint. And she's trying to get it off of her, but she can't. And it was like her shame. And then she... Um, had one side of the stage covered with thing, all the things she'd wished she had access to as a class, dance class, dance lessons, food, because there wasn't enough food at home, and um, shopping, actually, because she'd always wish she could go shopping like any normal teenager and buy, you know, nice clothes. So she couldn't access that side of the stage. So she had one side of the stage with everything and one side without anything, and she would be trying to access, but she couldn't get through to the other side of the, the stage because the poverty was stopping her because they could see her, the paint on her. It was just this beautiful dance. And she was crying because she was so nervous to share it. But at the same time, she thought our community, it would really benefit schools in our community to understand how hard it can be as a young woman to, um, to not have access to food or not be able to dance if you want to dance and not have these things. And someone in our audience, when we did share it, and she, she shared it, and she was shaking, and it was so, such a beautiful, powerful artistry, and someone offered to pay for her full university after seeing the piece because they were so moved. Wow. And she just graduated in June as a social worker. <laughs> Goosebumps. Just yeah. <laughs> and on. so she's now gone on to university as well. And we helped fill, we filled out all her, we have volunteers who work with all our girls to help them fill out their university applications. And... She still is in contact with us, and she calls me uh, maybe three, four times a year. And uh, she, as our alumni, now volunteers with us. But it's like, I look at her, and I see a couple things. I see that she still sees herself as an artist, and that's exciting for us, because we, we really do believe each of us has that creative capacity and that artistry, and she still sees herself that way. And um, 
And she also sees her capacity as, as a young woman and, and has lost that shame around the poverty, but more like she would, you know, this is where I was born and we're all born somewhere. We're all, we all come from, you know, you're just born where you're born and I'm just born where I'm born. And there's so many stories where I look at girls and I think, wow, this is so powerful at, um, and if I had created a dance for her, and then she'd learned it, there's no way she would have felt that ownership over that experience. It was her work. And that's a really hard, um, it's been a real learnings process for me is when to step in and say, oh, it would be, try this or try that to make it more powerful. And when do I say, but then that becomes Hannah's. When do I now take over the work so that I think, I personally might think it's stronger or more beautiful, but it's no longer theirs. And then their ownership has gone out of it. And that is where we as our teachers and our, and, and myself, have walk a very fine line to support our girls to make their pieces strong, but to keep it so that the choreography is theirs and to keep it so that the ownership and that, um, that it's meaningful to them and that they feel a sense of, uh, that ownership over that artistic practice and ownership over their own ideas and that we don't take over as adults to say it's better, that it would be better this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I would have taken something away from her otherwise. So we started painting a picture of what these shows look like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and there's, there's videos available on your website. They which are. Is great. Yeah. So our videos, I would say our shows are definitely best live. Yeah. For sure. Um, because we create, our shows are very different than most shows. We don't even have clapping. It's really more like um, an incredibly intense sharing of beauty and um, very, very authentic. It's a warm, it's palpable in the air. It's absolutely palpable. There's this... You know, our year-end show is always sold out, and so this, we have four, capacity for 400. So there's 400 people in this silent room with this energy of young women sharing um, extraordinarily powerful personal stories, as well as stories around things that they're very, very passionate about. Yeah, it's just very different than your average show. So it doesn't always translate through video, is what I'm trying to say. We do have videos, yeah. but it doesn't video doesn't always have the same thing as being in front of somebody who's talking. Certainly, yeah. yeah. Dance, dance was yeah. Like video. <laughs> it's not the same. Um, but I, I would uh, be able to identify that that having all those different uh, different girls, different yeah. bodies yeah. Uh, on stage yeah. is awesome, and it's great to see. And it, there's a lot of dialogue about that right now in the dance industry. I feel yeah. like people are really interested in that. They want to see themselves on stage. Absolutely, and that's that's exactly even when I first wrote my my books, my children's books for dance. That was exactly what bothered me. All the books I was finding showed these thin, pretty, skinny little girls dancing. It was like, where am I in that? Like when you are looking at a book, if you you know if that isn't your body, and if you, um, are, my books are written actually for boys and girls. There's pictures of boys and girls in them, and but it's like, we need to have all body types. We need to have children um, in wheelchairs, by, you know, children with Down syndrome, children with bigger bodies, smaller bodies. And it's just, otherwise we don't see ourselves as, as artists. We don't know how we fit into that world. Mm -hmm. And you can also see the, the passion in, in their faces. I mean, they're not putting it on. They're there. They're, oh, they're it's very present. Real. They, are, yeah. they are artists. They yeah. are present in their artistry. And that's something I hadn't seen in a lot of, you know, it's funny. I would say most people, when they first come to our shows, come to be nice, mm -hmm. truthfully. They're like, oh, I want to support the community. I'm going to come and be nice and come and see it. Um, but they don't actually expect the artistry to be as beautiful. They're coming to be supportive, if that makes sense. Yeah. And they leave going, I had no idea um, how we really do break stereotypes about what... We have a real stereotype of what teenage girls are capable of, yeah. or even our children. So our, in our school, what children are capable of. We think of it as going to be cute. 
we think of it as going to be somewhat limited artistically um, because we don't think children are capable of creating such powerful work. But I think that's because we often don't give kids meaningful creation process to work with and we give them cute. We expect cute or we give them sequins or I don't know, tacky sort of mm-hmm. dense school type stuff that we've seen in the past. But that's not what we do. And it's not girls are capable of so much more than cute. <laughs> they're 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 after people have come to see the show, they they um they were like, I had no idea. I really would come back just because the artistry was the girls are so present in their work. They are so there and um it's it's extraordinary what they've created. And my my third observation from watching the video was the production quality and the and the artistry not just in the the movement but also the mise-en-scene the, the costuming the sets the mm-hmm. and in as you described with the the salsa mm-hmm. duet like there's creativity in the mm-hmm. whole package in the whole presentation yeah. of the work so our teachers are phenomenal they're all extraordinary movement educators and we bring so much um just wide creative process for our, our girls and young women to explore and enjoy. So we bring in, um, we have so many props and costumes. We work outside, we work in field, we work in snow. We do, um, we bring in um, guests, mentors to work with us. We had Natasha Bacht last year from, uh, who was actually just on the cover of Dance Current this week. We have Margie Gillis. We have, we just, we bring in really extraordinary artists. So we worked with Anne Matogzi, um on the Nipissing First Nation Reserve. We try to learn as much as possible from really wonderful artists to help our artistry. And we also really, really value the creative process. So we just do as many uh, out there things as we possibly can to really help the girls um, see their capacity in their own creation. Wonderful. Yeah. On that note, let's talk a bit about some of these collaborations, starting with uh, Margie Gillis coming in to do some mentoring, to lead some workshops and even perform for fundraisers. Yeah. Margie's been amazing. She's been a really good friend of ours. Um, We started started off by uh, her coming in to mentor a piece that we were creating on forgiveness. And she came to work for two full days with us. Um, helping the girls after they'd created a piece on forgiveness. And that was a wonderful experience. She works very, very similarly to us in that she extracts the dance from inside out. And she really was helping the girls. She was so respectful in that she didn't take over any of their choreography because the piece was complete when she saw it. She looked at it and said, how can we make this feel even more alive? And she respected their work. She didn't try and take over it. She saw them as equal artists, even though they were teenagers. Um, is That's not something that always happens. And it was wonderful. And from then, our relationship just grew. We became friends. Uh, she came more often. She did workshops for us. Um, really interesting workshops. Like how even when you feel stuck on a bus to like find your own space within. Like she these things when you feel like too many people are around you. How do you find space? Like it was, it was very interesting. It was a lot about learning to kind of own your own individuality as a girl. But we did it all through dance, and it was she had some really innovative ideas. It was wonderful, and then she came to perform a few times. She's done some solos in our year-end shows uh, to help us fundraise uh, money, and and now we're helping her. She's doing a legacy project, and we're part of her legacy project, keeping on her work for children's programming. Yeah. So what does that mean? So she has. So as Margie's getting older and doing less teaching, she has um, a thing called the Legacy Project, which you could find on her website. And she's asked us to sort of be kind of the go-to. So when people are looking at how do you do this work with children, how do you extract the dance from within, we're going to be kind of the people that you would go to to help support 
people understanding how to do that through with Margie. Um, and also aligning with your way of working is on Metogsy. And Metogsy. On Metogsy. They are wonderful, wonderful people. So Penny Cucci and Sid Bob are co-directors of On Metogsy. Um, on Metogsy is an arts organization on the Nipissing First Nation Reserve. And it means he, she speaks. And um, they're a multi-generational dance company. So there's three-year-olds and 80-year-olds in the same company. And it's it is truly one of the most life-giving experiences. Our organization went up for four or five days last winter, and we created work all day with their organization and performed it on the frozen Lake Nipissing at night under the stars. We created our own sets, and we did um, work on the sturgeon and different myths around the um, uh, from the Ojibwe culture. And... Uh, they're amazing. They really, Penny's from the Toronto Dance Theatre, and then she works with the Aboriginal Worldview Process. We did lots of things on circles. Then we did, we got a grant from the City of Ottawa to go back and to work on um, how to make site-specific work based on the land. So we were exploring all the land and learning how to create site-specific work, and then we came back to Ottawa and um, had a show based on that. And uh, then we went back again. We're, we, we would go back as often as we can. And I would actually recommend any artist that they could working with Penny and said they're um, really incredible artists um, who look at the body in very, very open-minded ways and not... You know, it was interesting. One thing that Penny said when she, we were training with her is that she said people would say to her, you know, lift your neck and be tall. Imagine you have this long, tall, thin neck. And she said, you know... I don't have a long, tall, thin neck. So I'm trying to, how, why are we as dancers asking us to imagine our bodies differently? Like why, she really helped us feel good about like not, so much of the language we use in dance is asking us to think about us being different than we are. Imagine you're tall and slender. Well, we're not tall and slender. So how about we just imagine the beauty that we are in the body that we're in. And so she had these very grounding exercises that we would do and, um, really helped us also be mindful of the land and the ways that we were working with the land. We'd be working with the river and the flow of the river or the way a leaf flutters and how to take that movement into our body and um, how to communicate that. It was really beautiful. So you've, you've been touching on a lot of the elements that are in unapologetic yes. beauty, which is this great, uh, as of right now, it's a 17-minute video um, yes. that is talking about the process that these girls in the company have gone through for this work. Uh, do you want to introduce Yeah, sure. So beauty? we just launched the Unapologetic Beauty Project um, late October, so it's just out. And we received a grant from TELUS to follow 12 young women for a year. Um, on the topic of body image. And so we did that. We filmed them for a full year. And so the work was actually created by the girls. Again, not by us. It was our job to compile their information, to hear what they felt was important for other girls to understand and to make a toolkit for schools. Part of the, part of the, um, kit is the documentary. The rest are workshop ideas. So people can download it and it's all free and it's on our website. <clears throat> It was very interesting for us because when you talk to most people about body, about body image and dance, most people would say um, that dance makes their body feel worse. So why would you be exploring healthy body image by using dance? Because most girls would say, actually, when I go to dance, I feel worse about myself in, in many traditional dance cultures. But we thought, actually, dance can make you feel really good about your body. It just depends how you're dancing, who you're dancing with, and the messages you're being given with. Um, 
It was very, very powerful. We Kelsey Walsh, um, who is the co-director of the performance company, she led the project and she did an amazing job. We um, got each of the girls' stethoscopes. And so we started by working from our body from the inside out. And so they would listen to their heartbeat. And a lot of the girls had never even thought about what their body does. They only thought about what their body looks like. So for them, even some of them would were actually filled up listening to their heartbeats because they'd never really thought about their heart or it felt very intimate. We were in this dark room all listening to our heartbeats. And then we would started to, um, to dance to our heartbeats. So we would actually do our movement based on the beat of our heart. And we worked with our circular system and we built elastics for the girls, like large elastics to work within and then work with other girls on our circular systems and really looking at our body from a different way and all that our body does as a gift. And then um, a lot of honest discussions about the pain around wishing our bodies were different. And uh, the joy in what our body does do and lots of laughter and lots of discussion and uh, we filmed it all and put it together and the girls decided what they felt the other girls would want. So we made, they made it for other girls. So it was, it was by girls for girls. And then they came up with workshop ideas. Some of the workshop ideas are based on dance and some are not. So that we have both for educators who wish to use movement as a way to explore a healthy body and loving our bodies and other ones just based on art, visual art. So that's something to do next if you're looking for more goosebumps. Uh, watch <laughs> Unapologetic Beauty, the video. Uh, so the company is busy. With it's all really busy. This, We're uh, booked perform constantly. About once a month in different yeah. schools, community yeah. centers, conferences, They're performing tomorrow, uh, tomorrow Saturday. Yes, they perform tomorrow at a women's shelter, actually. My goodness. And then... Uh, along with the workshops as well. And, yeah. And, um, yeah, I have a workshop this afternoon. So we do a lot of professional development for school boards. Today I'm doing the Ottawa Catholic School Board actually this afternoon. That's a big part of our work is um, helping other educators learn how to build community through dance. So uh, we have three staff who do workshops, Sarah, Kelsey, and I, and we do different workshops on literacy and movement and um, uh, really community building through dance, helping, you know, create equity through dance and um, in different organizations. And then we do shows as well um, in schools, conferences, and universities. And then our school has a year-end show as well. So what's next for the company? Well, we have strategic planning this weekend. <laughs> so we're, we're growing. We're in a very, very exciting place right now. We're... Um, we just got a grant from the Community Foundation of Ottawa to support our growth for three years. So that is really exciting for us because we're training um, people this summer. We're hoping to get more um, applications. We haven't put the call out yet, but we'll get applications for training more teachers because our school is growing. We want to reach uh, meet the needs of our community and we have many, many girls who wish to join us and so we need more staff. We want to be able to be a very vibrant, strong viable presence in the Ottawa community that um, where girls from all over, of all backgrounds, regardless of financial ability, can come to us and go on this incredible discovery program with us through through dance and uh, explore the whole world through dance, their lives, the things that they're interested in. Um, give them the... Um, the ability to think, oh, I've just, I would love to learn about whatever it is, whether it's biology, how can I, you know, ocean health, whatever it is, how can I learn about this through dance? And to be able to give girls that. And we, so we want to keep growing our school and we want to keep training our company so that it can reach out. Our company is heading off to BC in March. We're, so that's exciting for us. We got a grant to go, we're performing and doing an exchange with another dance company. 
So that's pretty exciting. We're doing that in March. That's something coming up. And we're just going to keep, keep growing. Wonderful. And you have the um, website, dandeliondancecompany.ca. Yes. Yeah. Where people can go and people can donate if Absolutely. they're inspired by the company. Is there any anything else that if somebody's all fired up now that they can yeah. offer? So the donations for us, what we really, really need is um, donations to cover... Um, to subsidies for girls. So that's where we're really, really trying to raise um, the funds. We actually have a gala February 2nd at Ashbury College where also we'll be trying to raise funds. We we have so many girls who want to join us, but we also have to be able to pay our staff and obviously cover our costs. So we're really looking for community members and um, organizations to say, you know what, I'll pay for a girl a year. I'll pay for a girl a year. Um, because what we've seen is the change that comes from the girls' The, the joy and the change that comes from a girl being empowered to become a creator and to see herself as that is extraordinary. So we're really looking for um, people to help cover those subsidies to keep to, just so that we can continue to be as inclusive as we are, and to continue to take as yeah as many girls as possible and, and offer her this life changing experience because it really is life changing. The girls that come through our program. They, they, it's unbelievable if you touch out with them, the, the way that they see themselves after creating, if, if you can even imagine that after creating for a year, even just one year, and our average girl stays for six, but if you come for one year and every single class you come in and you create something, it shifts who you are. It shifts how you see your capacity in the world. And um, I don't know if that's something we often think about when we think about dance. We often think about the joy that comes from the movement and the joy that comes from practicing it. But I think that twofold, that joy here is even larger because the joy of being being a being an artist and creating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a big gift someone can give someone. <laughs> and what's the best way to stay on top of uh, when the performances are happening? So, so there's a couple tickets. things. So Facebook, we think Facebook is great. So we make sure everything's on our Facebook. Um, I write a blog, so once a month I have um, something come out on education every month, so people can subscribe. And our newsletters, our newsletters are are the best because if you subscribe to our newsletter, then you'll know every single show that we have, every event, all our training opportunities. We're looking for more staff. Um, our call-outs for staff, our call-outs for everything will come on our newsletters, but we also do post them on Facebook. Thank you so much. I've been speaking with Hannah Beach from Dandelion Dance today, and uh, I would like to know if you have any last words before we say goodbye. Um, well, first of all, I want to thank you, Allison, for having me. My pleasure. And I just want to say, I guess, what a privilege it is to be um, to be in such a changing dance world right now. To be in a world where I see people start, starting to see the value of dance. Like we were just nominated for Ottawa's Social Impact Award. And I thought, wow, isn't it wonderful that our community is starting to see dance that way? We were starting to see the impact that dance is having on people. And I think I just feel so happy to be part of, I guess, our dance community. Because there's so many shifts being made right now. You've been listening to Dirty Feet. I'm Alison Burns with a few thank yous. First to Paula Flalo and the No More Radio Network. Also to Mainline Theatre and Montreal Improv Theatre. And to all present and past team members who can be found on our website, dirtyfeetpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Dirty Feet Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Dirty Dirty Feet. Thank you for listening. Until next time. 
Stick around for a preview of our upcoming episode. We're going to be talking about the Gomeshi effect, which is a verbatim dance theater piece on sexual violence in Canada, instigated by Jessica Ruano, who is the creator and director, and uh, Amelia Griffin is the choreographer of the piece. This is kind of what my thesis was about, but sort of how much marketing can actually influence the way that theater is being created. That sort of was what my conclusion was in the end, is that the way that we talk about our work uh, actually affects the way that people understand it in the viewing of it. So I'm also a yoga therapist, and so part of my brain was also, how do we make these rehearsals non-traumatic? Um, and how do we invite um, a way to work that's supportive, um, you know, co-supportive environment, 